Where are you? Where are you? According to the book of Genesis, after the fall, uh, Adam went into hiding. By trying to be more human, Adam felt less human. Before the fall, Adam was not ashamed. After the fall, he was. Toxic shame is true agony. It is a pain felt from inside and in the core of our being. It is excruciatingly painful. I'm reading um, today, you guys, from one of my favorite authors, Mr. Bradshaw. Okay. And he's talking about the felt sense of toxic shame. Toxic shame results from an unexpected exposure of vulnerable aspects of a child's self. This exposure takes place before the child has any ego boundaries to protect himself. The early shaming events happen in a context where the child has no ability to choose. The felt experience of shame is the feeling of being exposed and seen when one is not ready to be seen. Toxic shame is often manifested in dreams of being naked in inappropriate places or in not being prepared, as in suddenly having to write your final exam without having studied for it. Okay, then it says, the unexpected quality of a shaming, the unexpected quality of a shaming event creates a lack of self-trust in the child. As toxic shame develops, the child stops trusting his own eyes, judgment, feelings, and desires. These faculties form our basic human power. The distrust of our basic faculties results in the feeling of powerlessness. As vulnerable aspects of ourself are shamed, they are disowned and separated from our felt sense of self. This self-separation process results in a split self. We are beside ourselves. We become an object to ourselves. When I become an object, I am no longer in me. I am absent from my own experience. What I feel is emptiness and exposure. I have no boundaries and therefore no protection. I must run and hide, but there is no place to hide since I am totally exposed. There are They are after me and they are going to take me by surprise and catch me. I'm being hunted from moment to moment. The hunter is always approaching. There is a never a moment where I can relax. I must be constantly guarded, lest I'm ever unguarded. I am alone in the most complete way. The agony of this chronic stage of being cannot happen for or be endured for long. At the deepest level, toxic shame triggers our basic automatic, <clears throat> sorry, automatic defense cover-ups. Fred called the automatic cover-ups our primary ego defenses. Once, since these defenses are in place, they function automatically and unconsciously sending our true authentic self into hiding. We develop a false identity out of this basic core. We become master impersonators. We avoid our core agony and pain. And over a period of years, we avoid our avoidance. And I love it has a beautiful, um, uh, like a graph on here. It's talking about the layers of defense against the uh, agony of internalized toxic shame. And it just goes through it. And it'll talk about like uh, abandonment trauma, shameless caretakers, uh, shame internalized, visual and auditory shame imprints, going out to primary ego divisions, uh, defenses, uh, I, projection. We spoke about that the other day. That's actually um, someone covering up toxic shame, denial, delusion, displacement, dissociation, right? And this is not to shame anything. This is just to have an open conversation. Um, and I, I've been pulling in lately a lot of these doctors and people that are uh, everyone who would consider a credential, right? And they're learned.
because I believe I, and me, me, me uh, basically trying to be teachable. I have to always pull in people that um, have more experience in these uh, areas than I do. Okay, so I'm speaking from two different aspects as a person that is and has walked through lots and lots of layers of toxic shame, lots and lots of layers of it. And then also coming from a background where, um, like you guys, family, we, we have a lot of addictions in our families. And I, too, myself have struggled with addiction. Now, what people would like to do nowadays is they would try to shame you for having an addiction. But when you're a person who has already admitted that you have an addiction, which we know the first step is uh, admitting it, you know. Hi, my name is blank. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, my name is blank. I'm a workaholic. Hi, my name is blank. Um, I do narcotics. You know what I'm saying? Hi, my name is blank. Uh, I'm a shopaholic, right? You know, it's a different type of aholics. Whatever type of aholic or whatever um, genre, if you will, that you fall into, um, that's because it's a lot of toxic shame. There's a lot of avoidance, right? Um, and I love the way that he put this. Um, Mr. Bradshaw is just so... Um, meticulous in the way that he explains this because um mr bradshaw i'm going to read you guys a little bit about him okay let me see mr bradshaw you thought he was a blessed best-selling author educated in canada where he studied um for the priesthood believe it or not okay earning three degrees from the university of toronto for the past 20 years he has worked as a counselor a theologian a management consultant and a public speaker okay he is married and he has Three children. And Mr. Bradshaw, this beautiful man here, with all of this uh, meticulous, it's kind of like painstaking um, wisdom and knowledge, not only from him studying a lot, it was also because of his life experience, right? Um, he says, I used to drink, John writes, to solve the problem be caused by drinking. The more I drink to relieve my shame-based loneliness and hurt, the more I felt the shame. Shame begets shame. I came to see that shame is one of the major destructive forces in all human life. And naming shame, I began to have power over it, right? So if you struggle with addiction or you have addictions in your life, cigarettes, you know, alcohol, weed, whatever, you know, those are the ones we go to first. There's a lot of ones like exotic drugs and stuff that we don't even know the names of, you know, it might pop pills, whatever you do, right? You may shop too much. You may eat too much, right? I know I, I like to eat as well. <laughs> Look, I got several of them, right? So if you're dealing if you're dealing with these different type of things, or you may be addicted to like um being passive aggressive or being nosy. That may be your addiction. It's like being nosy, being passive aggressive. You know what I mean? Um mindsets can be addictive, like prejudice. Like you're addicted to like finding something to be prejudiced over someone with, right? Or um bias. You know, you're you're addicted to those standpoints. You're addicted to judgment, to judging others. Um then this would be a good book for you, okay? It's called Healing the Shame That Binds You. Um, and it, you have to start off by being real with yourself. This is a man here. Dr. Bradshaw was an alcoholic. Listen to what I'm saying. He was an alcoholic. He was studying for the Roman Catholic priesthood. This is a counselor, a management consultant, and a public speaker. So this is a multifaceted, dense, very deep, you know, uh, feeling and thinking man. But yeah, he had an alcohol problem. Okay, now remember it says that he was married with three children. So he said he drank because he had this loneliness. Right? So we know that loneliness, we're taught to feel the shame of our loneliness. We're actually made fun of. Right? And it's kind of like people will ostracize and um, alienate you on purpose. Right? Like, oh, you can't sit with us. You know, that mean girls type of, you know, bitchy vibe. And uh, they do that on purpose because they know it inflicts pain. And that pain is what? Loneliness. We're created for community. So if you come around and you tear someone's support community up, right? 
That can happen if you can do it to yourself. Then that creates an intense sense of loneliness. And then, then we're shamed for having being lonely, which is natural. See how that goes? So this is what he would drink. He would drink to cover up his loneliness, right? And then shamed for his loneliness. And that made him feel ashamed. So his key thing to find at the root of his drinking was shame. It could be internalized shame from years of verbal, psychological, mental, spiritual, some physical, unfortunately, sexual abuse, right? Because that's what abuse is meant to do. It's meant to have you internalize these negative events or things said or done to you so that you could feel worthless and look lonely, right? And shameful and, you know, like Quasimodo, right? But when you begin to put a name on it, you may still, like I do, struggle with addictions. You know, breaking addictions is very hard. Um, I recently uh, went three days without smoking cigarettes. Then I bought a pack of cigarettes. Then I stopped. And I like, so it's very hard. Also, you have to have support. So you want to do it in the right, correct way. Always uh, check with your doctor. I'm not a doctor. This is why I like to quote and I like to bring in um, different information and cite my sources. Okay, I don't just, I don't like to um, to parasite or pirates, right, or plagiarize others' work. Because this man here, he not only studied, he went through these things. So these 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 words in this book is very um is very intimate, right? It's very intimate. It's in this educated intimacy that you can kind of get from this this author here, which you guys know I'm an author myself. But I love reading from other authors, preferably the ones who have struggled with similar things that I struggle with. So when you remove the shame, it's not being haughty or, or arrogant. Like, yeah, I struggle with that. So it's a different tone. Yeah, I do struggle with that. So see what, see how that goes? Because when a person is not willing to uh, admit that they have an, uh, an addiction or a problem, they're going to cover up. Nah, ain't nothing wrong with something wrong with you, right? Or they'll order it, proceed to make fun of, right? Because they want you to feel more shame. Oh, uh, I saw someone the other day drinking so many martinis, disgusting. And they probably, you know, have another addiction, right? Those are cover-ups for them. But when you begin to come to yourself and say, yes, I do have a problem in that area. So, right? So long as you know that you're you're working on it, you may fall down, you get back up. And if it gets too out of control, you know, they have um, treatment facilities. They have um, therapists and things you can reach out to, family, friends, if you're fortunate enough to have those things, right? Um, and you want to reach out to those things, Um uh, med meditations on it. They have um, um, different be beautiful music you can listen to that can kind of help you in those areas. Writing. Writing will be able to help you to kind of dig through. And, and you have to really admit, I think that this is shame. And then you have to be willing to have to start releasing shame that others have placed on you. Right? And that's that's where you have to go to knowing that their behavior is not personal. Even though a lot of abuse, they do it personally. On, they do it on purpose, right? It's on a purpose. So um, the, the the level of it is at the end of it, the root of it is actually shame and loneliness. And who actually wants to say, hey, guys, I'm full of, I have a little bit of shame or I'm lonely because you're, you're actually going to be um, teased or bullied or made fun of even more for being honest, for being honest, <laughs> for being honest in the, in the world where people lie to themselves to lie to you and. Like everybody, you know, it's like, see, it's a, it's a cover up for toxic shame. Okay. And so that's why I love Mr. Bradshaw. I really just can, um, I really can just, um, resonate with him. So we're going to, I'm going to read a little bit more into this, um, layers of defense, right. Against the agony of internalized shame. So we can go into the big daddy jock, you know what I'm saying? I'm a jock, you know, I'm, I'm a mother Hubbard. I'm a nurse teacher, you know. Uh, I'm a I'm a hero or a scapegoat. I'm an enabler or a mascot, right? 
um, to power and control, to criticism and blame, rage and envy, moralizing righteousness, uh, patronizing and people pleasing, perfectionism and judgmentalism. So if you as a person with an alcohol addiction or a nicotine addiction, or, you know, you just, you know, you like that Mary Jane, you know what I'm saying? Or whatever, you know, they got stuff out there I don't know about. Look, I'm, I'm kind of like sheltered. So in a way, you know, they got stuff out there I don't know about. I'm going to be honest. So stuff that you may know about, I don't know about, right? No judgments here. And you're honest and say, I have a problem in this area. I'm trying to help myself and I'm trying to get help or stop this certain thing. When you automatically are faced or uh, receive back others input as far as judgmentalism, or like mockery, or like patronizing, you know, the type of thing. Um, those are people that actually have a layer of, of, that's their defense of shame as well, right? That's their defense. That's what this says here. Um, behavioral cover-ups, interpersonal transfer of shame by acting shameless. So they'll act like, I have nothing to be ashamed of. I have a great life. I'm enjoying my life. People love me. All of this type of stuff. But that's actually a behavioral cover-up. Having a behavioral cover-up and actually not feeling shame are not the same things, right? So if they see that you, this is it's a syndrome of shame, okay? And then also the outer layer is the ingest of addictions. That's just the, that's just the top layer, okay? Activity addictions, right? And then we have um, eating disorders, right? You may have an eating disorder. It's, you know, a lot of times, we, I know we like the fat shame. Oh my God, you're so fat, you can't stop eating. Ugh, emotional eating. But you also have people that don't eat because they're emotional. They're emotionally not eating. Or they're making themselves puke. Those are disorders. Those are eating disorders. the same, right? So this is why I looked at, or um, physical violence, right? Um, this is like domestic violence. I've been through that. Sexual abuse. I've been through that. These are the outer layers of it. These are the outer layers of it. And when you go in, then it goes into power and control and rage and envy. And when you keep going in, now you... You can, you know, you're scratching the surface. Now you have the false self, right? The lost child. Then you go a little bit more, okay? It's a little delusional up in there, okay? I think it's a little projection going on up in there, a little fantasies. Then you go all the way in there, there's internalized shame. So it takes time. And then all the way at the center is the free child in you, right? So if you're 30-something, 40-something, 50-something, and you've dealt with all of these different, all these layers I just went through, and one point or the other, depending on the severity, it's, it's more than likely you have a sense, you have some shame going on there. So when you really look at it from this standpoint, there's really nowhere where no one can actually judge another person or try to point the finger and their behavior by you knowing this now can tell you that they're covering up something as well, which is fine. It's not for you to uncover them. That's for them to do. Right. So I just wanted to talk to you guys about that. I thought this was very good. It's a very good book, guys. You guys have to get it. I love the primary ego defenses. Um, I just love he talks about denial and fantasy bond, uh, repression, disassociation. Okay. Let's talk about that a little bit. Disassociation is the ego defense that accompanies the most violent forms of shaming, sexual and physical violence. Right. The trauma is so great and the fear is so terrifying that one needs instant relief. Dissociation is a form of instant numbing and involves the mechanism of denial and regression, but in, include strong elements of distracting uh, in the imagination. An incest victim simply goes away during the experience of violation, like a long daydream. The same is true for physical violence. The pain and, and humiliating shame are unbearable. The victim leaves her body. This is the reason that these forms of victimization are so difficult to treat. 
the memories are screened while the feelings remain. The victim often feels crazy like he or she is not living in reality. The victim often has a split, sometimes multiple personalities, because the connection between the violence and the response to the violence have been severed. The victim thinks the craziness and shame are about her rather than about what has happened to her. Disassociation is not limited to sexual and physical violation. Emotional battering, severe trauma, chronic distress are also precipitating factors for causing dissociation. Dissociation can last a lifetime. Okay, so when people say, oh, you got multiple personality disorder, you just, well, that's not really something to be like joking around or making fun about. It'll let you know that person has probably experienced severe sexual, physical, emotional battering, uh, intentional, purposeful, distressing events. Right. So that's actually a mechanism for this person to try to protect themselves. So when people perish because of lack of knowledge, when you don't have a knowledge about certain things and you sprout out things or people who you consider or see that they have struggling with certain mental health issues, right? Which everybody does. Okay. Trust me. Everybody does. Or addiction issues or eating disorders or, um, you know, personality disorders. When you see these type of things, it's not that you have to okay their behavior, right? Don't okay my behavior. Don't okay your behavior. But at least to seek to understand, that'll make you keep your mouth closed about a lot of things. Because then you start looking in the mirror and say, well, well I think I, I got an eating disorder. I emotionally eat or I overbuy stuff or I like to people please. I want everybody to laugh at my jokes. Look at me. I'm the funny guy, right? Or look at me. I'm the, like you said here, I'm the sex, I'm the sex God. You know, I could just give it to you. You just want it. That's the way for you covering up being lonely. And nobody wants to say, hey, I'm high. I'm such and such. I feel lonely or I have shame. Do you want to be my friend? Like nobody's going to walk around saying that. So we create these cover ups, right? You have to, you got to go to work. You got to, you know, you got to still move around in life. Right. But at the core of it is a child that's on the inside of you that wants to be free, but all of this stuff been placed on top of them. So it takes time to kind of dig through that. And I love, I wish that I could show you guys um, on this graph in the middle, the free child is, is, is inside of a diamond, a diamond shape, which is why I love diamond. Um, by the way, shameless plug. Um, you, you guys could go check out my YouTube um, channels, Diamond Chronicles, and then um, Diamond Lioness, okay? And then Humble Lioness. I love cats and diamonds, right? So um, in the middle of this graph here, there's the shape of a diamond, and it has written in the free child. And you have all of these, these circles of things. And these could be circles of people, circles of things that's been placed around this diamond. And in the middle, it wants to be free. So we all know that diamonds come from the center of the earth. They're one of the hardest substances you will ever find here on this here planet, right? It's like crystallized darkness because diamonds is the majority of it is carbon. So you have this crystallized darkness that's went through all of these dark experiences, dark, dark emotions, dark people. And you have this diamond there and it's slowly but surely pushing its way through all of this dirt and this grime. And then it'll be able to surface. Isn't that beautiful? So it takes time to get there, you know, and, and it can be hard. It's very challenging. I find it challenging myself personally. And you will have people make fun of you. Like, you know, if you up one day, down the next, you over here that day, you over there the next day. Well, they don't know what you have been through. And even if some of them do know what you have been through, their lack of empathy and then their mockery and uh, jokey behavior shows they have much more. They have their own process to go through. Let's put it that way. Okay. It's quite obvious because their behavior is uh, not a natural and one of a natural behavior. Okay. So I just wanted to talk to you guys about that again. Again, go check out John Bradshaw. He's very open and honest about it. 
You know, he's open and honest. A lot of times people get open and honest after they're done struggling, what we call struggling, which means you still do it sometimes, even though you don't want to. That's what struggling means, right? You don't want to. It's a compulsive. I don't know why. I just, you know. And so a lot of times people will wait 10, 15, 25 years and say, yeah, I was an alcoholic or I was addicted to cigarettes and nobody knew about it because I hid it. Versus if someone say, yeah, I'm struggling with that right now. Right. Or they might say, I haven't had anything to drink in 48 hours or 72 hours or a week. And you're and what people do is they discount that. They discount you being honest in your struggle. They want you to wait until you today feel or you feel that you're this perfect, uh, you know, uh, example of such and such. But that's that's not realistic. It's never going to happen. Right. Never going to happen. So. All right. Never going to happen. OK. So go check out Mr. John Bradshaw. Um, I love, 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 love his book. Okay. It says in an emotionally revealing way, Bradshaw shows us how toxic shame is the core problem in all of our compulsions, codependencies, addictions, and the drive to super achieve, right? Because the super achievers are talking against somebody with an addiction and you would think that they look different, but they're actually one and the same. They're just dealing with it in a different way, right? Uh, resulting in the breakdown of our family system and our inability to move forward in our lives. We are uh, bound, okay? Bradshaw tells us by our shame. But drawing from his 22 years of experience as a counselor, he offers us the techniques to heal our shame using affirmations, visualizations, our inner voice and feeling work plus guided meditations and other useful healing techniques. He releases the shame that binds us to our past. This important book breaks new ground in the core issues of societal and personal breakdowns, offering new techniques for recovery, uh, of recovery vital to all of us, okay? Which is recovery is vital to all of us. So I think this is very good. I've had this book for over, it's older than my kids, uh, over 10 years. I wish I could show it to you. It's so much um, highlighted and underlined and I love the lookup definitions. I just love to really go through the books. I have tabs in here. And anytime that I find myself struggling with something or I fall off the wagon or, you know, I do something stupid that I wasn't supposed to be doing, I immediately tell myself I have to release this shame. Where am I feeling shame at? Who do I need to forgive? And does it happen instantaneously? It's like, boom, boom, I'm all good. No, it's just something you, you, you constantly keep working on. Recovery is forever. It's forever. And you need a higher power to help you with that. Where have I shut out the higher power when I'm not allowing him to come into this area that I feel like I just need to go run and hide? Because you hear it says, when I was reading to you, it says that um, the toxic shame comes from being seen and heard when you wasn't ready, right? Just like if you're getting dressed, you're about to go to the prom, and somebody just pushes you out the door, and you you got your titties out, everything out, you're going to be, what, embarrassed and shamed because you wasn't ready to be seen like that, right? Now, you have some people that know that about the human psyche, and they'll, expo they'll exploit that in you. And then want to analyze you afterwards and then judge you on top of that. Right. So they add shame on shame. Shame begets shame. Right. So just ask yourself, where do I need to release? I think I got some shame in here. Where am I lonely at? We always want to act like, oh, I'm never lonely. I'm always happy with myself. I'm always happy with my life. No, that's not the truth. This man had a, a wife and three children that still feel loneliness. So now we know that loneliness has nothing to do with the amount of people you have around you. So you can hoard people. Or take other people's people, right? That's my, I took the man. Oh, that's my family now. Those, that's my friend. You can take people and still feel lonely on the inside. So that you're just a hoarder, right? Like you go like that show hoarders. That's another thing there, there, there of toxic shame, right? Mm -hmm. So it comes down to shame. It's different levels of shame. 
hopefully you haven't been through the severity of shame and the stuff that I've been through. And that's not a pity party like, oh my God, I'm a victim. No, it's just I have to take accountability. Say, okay, where am I feeling shame at? What am I doing? What am I avoiding? I think I'm feeling something. What's going on? Right? Because you can't really be honest like that now in today's society. You really can't. You know what I mean? They either look at you as being stupid, crazy, weak, and then they'll shame you more for being stupid, crazy, and weak. You understand? So we have to find a healthy balance. So hopefully you have people around you, support systems. If not, reach out to your higher power today. Do some meditation today. And if you have went a certain amount of hours without the old booze, the old hooch, okay, without that cigarette, if you, went, if you whatever you strive, without that sex, without them legs and them breasts and them backs and them hips and, and, and that cock and them ball, whatever. If you have went a certain amount of time and say, I'm proud of myself for six hours. Hey, I did it. Lord, help me or higher power, help me to go longer. I want to keep going like this. I want to be healthy. Right. Just because people do unhealthy things doesn't mean they don't want to be healthy. Right. So let's remember that. So they have some compassion. And if you ha if you have someone in your family or if you are someone like myself that struggles with addiction, it starts with shame. And you don't have to admit it to other people. Start admitting it to yourself first. Hi, my name is such and such. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, my name is such and such. I'm addicted to cigarettes. Hi, my name is such and such. I love ass. I just can't get enough of it. I do it because I feel lonely. It makes me feel love for a little minute. Or I, I escape. Just escaping. Then I act crazy. Right? Then I come back to reality. That's why they call it getting high. Because you're trying to elevate yourself above either being seen in the light that you don't want to be seen in. You're being exposed when you don't want to be exposed. Right? Or you got pressures that you don't want to deal with. So you try to do, you know, you try to escape yourself. Help me to be more grounded today. It's really hard. You know what I mean? Excuse me while I kiss the sky. No, 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 no. I can't kiss the sky. I got to come back down to earth. And that's hard to do that. You know what I mean? So give yourself and other people a little bit of grace. Stop with all of this laughing and this joking. Like you ain't, you, we don't know what it is. This is real life around here. This pandemic has hit a lot of us really hard. We have lost uh, family members. I know I have. And uh, my condolences to any of you who have lost friends, family that was important to you, you know, because we have we're supposed to pull together closer in times like this. You know, we pull further apart and some of us become more arrogant. But I'm grateful for even the humiliation. I'm grateful for even me falling down and doing dumb shit, because what it does is it strips away a little bit more of that rock as I'm this diamond, this free child is just trying to push through to the surface so I can get some of that light. This is Humble Dame. You guys have a wonderful day and much love and light to you. Peace out.